Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Tuesday. Uh, uh, what lessons did National learn from the Uffendale saga, if any? Uh, should you have to clean your Airbnb if you pay for cleaning your Airbnb? And what Marcus missed uh, from the Queen's funeral? What do you, how, where he thinks they could have done better? Uh, yeah, but first up, uh, modern learning environments. I think this is how schools work or something to do with that. Uh, they're bad, apparently. Super bad. Everybody hates them. Has it brought about life changes? Are we getting better results from these people? Are they going into work? Are their kids going to school? When we bring about modern learning environments and force schools to adopt them, whether they like them or not, do they work? Are we getting better teaching outcomes? Are young people learning better as a result? And if the answer's no, you scrap the idea. How about that? Let's, instead of this, hey, we've got a bold new idea, does it work? Oh, I don't know. Didn't really collect any data because, you know, that's just so old-fashioned and let's just go with the vibe because the vibe seems really cool. No, not with public money. You do it with your own money. If you've got a bold new idea and you want to trial something, do it with your own money. With public money, call me old-fashioned. I am now those withered loins from which young generations spring and think I must have been adopted. But call me old-fashioned, but I'd like to see a result. If it works, great. Keep going, keep putting money into it. If it doesn't, scrap it. Like scrapping the modern learning environments. Um, Yeah, I think that's what we want to do. We want to completely scrap the system every couple of years and start all over again. Um, that's the answer, definitely. Um, you sound so cynical, Glen ZB. Yes. Uh, we, good work, though, on the Drive Show. Uh, this week it's being hosted by Andrew Dickens. Um, he, um, they found somebody who, who likes the modern learning environments, thinks they're good. Do you like the modern learning environment? One thing I'd like to correct, but so that when the when these buildings were changed, they were initially called modern learning environments back in the in the sort of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we call our space uh, it moved to innovative learning environments. We call ours a flexible learning environment, and I think that's really important because flex it's about being flexible. We love our space. We're very very lucky to have the space that we have to work in. What's good about it? What's good about it is it gives us flexibility. That's in, it's in that name. So it enables it enables teachers to teach in a way that suits the the moment. It enables children to take um, to have autonomy or agency over where they work, who they work with, when they work, whether it's alone, whether it's with other people. It gives everyone flexibility. Okay, so Dr. Michael Johnson and the report he wrote for the New Zealand Initiative found that he could find absolutely no research anywhere in the world that said that uh, big old open plan uh, classrooms with this sort of uh, this sort of flexibility uh, had any positive effect on on education. And then again, didn't, he didn't find any reports that said it had no negative. So hmm. uh, are you a bit upset that you've gone holus bolus for something that has no research to back it up? 
No, so uh, not at all. We 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 use use our space really effectively, and I just want to be really clear that, that it's not the space. We have amazing teachers who work in single cell spaces who teach beautifully and have wonderful pedagogy. We have amazing teachers who work in flexible learning spaces. It's not about the space; it's about the pedagogy, and it's about the teachers using that space effectively. Oh, it's a good point, isn't it? Is it uh, if it how modern is your learning environment if it's been that way since twenty eleven? So for eleven years not that modern anymore and probably not that innovative or innovative uh, so yeah we've got to be flexible for sure I guess your main issue is and it's the same issue that we've always had it's certainly the issue that I had when I was at school is that it's not for everyone nothing is for everyone they're trying to make things for everyone and most people won't be happy. It's your problem, isn't it? Um, it's all about the pedagogy, though. There's no doubt about that. Right, should we move on to um, Sam Uffendell? I like to call him Uffendell. I don't know why. Um, Uffendell. And it, uh, Kate wants to know if Nationals learnt anything out of this. Or maybe she's got some lessons. She's going to spell it out for them. So what did we end up with yesterday? Well, exoneration for a man accused and vilified. One shows us how easy it is to get cancelled these days by a media mauling over and above a fair trial. And two, how if said media don't like the outcome, you will get mauled all over again anyway. It was also a salient lesson for Luxon on how to handle press conferences. Not all questions are good ones. Not all questions are worth answering. Sometimes reigning in a room of shouty exercise journalists is actually not a bad idea. Jacinda can do this largely, I guess, due to more experience. But also she knows how to work it. She works the room in her favour. She knows when to close a conference. She knows when to deflect. She doesn't allow reporters to cut her off mid-sentence like they did with Luxon. Naivety and politeness from the Nats leader may just hold him back. It is a brawl out there. Yesterday exemplified just how rocky it can and will get. So before the next round, Luxon would be well served to A, have his wits about him and expect it, and B, harden up. I sometimes feel like there's News Talk ZB and then there's the rest of the media and News Talk ZB doesn't feel like it's part of that media, general media pack. And that maybe we should just put News Talk ZB and the media in a ring and let them fight it to the death and see who does media the best. Or is that what, what happens with the ratings anyway? And basically News Talk ZB wins every time. Right, yeah, um, moving on to more important stuff. Um, should you have to clean your Airbnb if you've already paid a cleaning fee for your Airbnb? Um, I guess it depends on the state of it, doesn't it? Tough questions. But the more I think about this, the more I go, okay, maybe there's just two types of people in this world, those that are clean and those that are filthy pigs. <laughs> no, don't hold back. <laughs> no, I'm being inflammatory. But, you know, like if I start a hotel, yeah. of course I'm not going to do the toilets or the showers or go scrubbing anything. But I'll no always clean. No. no, but I'll always strip the bed, fold it neatly or at least place it neatly at the end of the bed. I put all the towels and the flannels in the bath so that it's easy for the yeah. cleaners to come through. So when the cleaners come in, the room actually looks pretty tidy. They vacuum, they do a good clean of the toilets and showers, and then everybody's happy. Why do you strip the bed? Oh, it just makes it easier for them, I suppose. I feel it does. I feel like it's, it's not that hard to take the. And I mean, you, you, 
when they take it, if they take the sheets off, then um, they just chuck it in a laundry yeah, basket. Perhaps, yeah, and you go and fold them. But I, well, I make it look tidy. I don't necessarily fold them intricately, but right. yeah, I make it look tidy though, JD. Right. Okay. Brilliant. I love those moments. I love those moments when radio hosts say something out loud that reveals them to be complete psychos. Don't you? Nobody else is doing. Did you? And, and Simon doesn't realise that nobody else is doing that. And in fact, what he's doing is probably making life harder for the um, cleaning staff at the hotels. Now they've got to unfold all that stuff because they were just pulling it all off and sticking it in the trolley, right? It probably would have been easier if he'd just left them where they were. Brilliant. I love that stuff. Okay, right, we're going to finish up here um, with Marcus and where he thought they could have done better with the funeral. Can't wait for this. And I don't quite know what it is about me, but when I go to a funeral or watch a funeral, for me, and look, I don't know, I feel a bit weird saying this because I might be alone, although you might share your thoughts. I might be saying something that you're inclined to agree with. For me, and I haven't studied this, it's just what I've always experienced, when you go to a funeral, and then you learn about the person through the eulogies. And you learn about the person through the choice of music and the hymns and stuff like that. Whether it be at a funeral a funeral parlor. I think the name parlor sounds wrong, but a funeral place or at a church. And then for me, and then all this happens. And then for me, once they carry the coffin out, that's when you play the sad song. And that's when you get free emotional. And for me, that's the whole For me, that's kind of the climax of the whole event. Your sad song at the end as the coffin goes to the hearse or to the crematorium or whatever. And they don't do that with the high Anglicans. There was no moment like that. Mind you, I was watching it with the volume down, but that's what I suspect. There wasn't that sort of, you know, I'm not saying you need sort of, you know, knock, knock, knock it on heaven's door or something like that or tears in heaven. But I think if you don't have the right song at the end, then people wander away from their funeral and all their emotions are kind of, nothing's focused those emotions towards the end into that grief process. Did he watch the whole thing? I'm I'm wondering, because it was was kind of like a funeral part one, funeral part two scenario. She had the actual funeral and then they uh, went to St. George's and had the committal. Um, And... They did. I thought they did have that moment when the piper sort of wandered off, and I, and they didn't have a smoke machine going that I'm aware of. But the lighting was quite nice. He kind of sort of just disappeared down a corridor and piped off. So I thought that was exactly that moment that Marcus was looking for. That maybe he just didn't stay through till the end, the very end of part two. Funeral Part 2, The King Strikes Back, I think. Is that what that is called? Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for always leaving wanting more as well. It's a showbiz, pretty um, reliable show business truism, isn't it? I'm Glenn ZB. I don't know if I've ever 
managed to achieve that in any of these podcasts. I think most of the time people are saying, oh, thank God that's over. Uh, regardless of which way you feel at the end of this one, I hope you do come back tomorrow and I'll give you some more. See you then.